0: Hello, welcome to Allen on Politics. I'm Alan and I really do appreciate you taking some time to listen in on this show. My topic today is climate change and political change. That first topic, climate change, has been in the news in a big way for the last few weeks, escalating over the last several years at least, and it can be a topic that can be depressing at the least you can have feelings of futility and despair at the scale of the change that's happening and the the rate of acceleration of climate change events and the second topic political change can be even more depressing and even frustrating and anger-provoking because the governments of the world and particularly our government of the united states Doesn't seem capable of making the types of big scale changes necessary to mitigate climate change. So, climate change, of course, has been a topic of conversation for decades. And early on, it seemed in the distant future, recent decades, getting closer and closer to each of us as we see various events around the world escalating. This year in particular, it's hitting us hard in a number of ways we have record drought in our western states. You know a lot of your fruit vegetables come from California and their farmers are really having a hard time with this long lasting and severe drought that's happening. You may feel the impact at your local grocery store eventually with rising prices or scarcity of particular goods that you'd like to find. Uh, The drought is also escalating the types of heat events that we were having and wildfires that we're having, both of them record levels. We had the heat dome over the Pacific Northwest that generated temperatures in excess of 110 degrees, and in some cases over 120 degrees. That's in places like Oregon, Washington State, Canada, British Columbia and Canada, extending out towards the east a little bit into the western states, the mountain states, like Colorado, Montana. These kinds of temperatures are things you're used to seeing down in the southwest, like Arizona or Nevada, not up here in the Pacific Northwest. Along with that, you have wildfires because the soil and the vegetation is drying up and we have heat events or maybe downed electrical wires and lightning strikes, human causes, sometimes accidents. Anything can set off a fire in these conditions. We've been having record... Wildfires earlier in the season, lasting longer, larger in scale. In addition to that, we have further east, record flooding up there in Michigan, and it's happened in other places as well. Sudden downpours that are more rain than they've expected, flooding streets. You also see this around the world, obviously. You see flooding in Europe recently, in Germany and Belgium, washing away towns and houses and flooding in China, where you have uh, subways flooding and people drowning. So the pace of the news about uh, extreme events predicated on climate change is accelerating. And it's scary. It's frightening. It seems out of control. It seems like it's going to impact our lives for the worse in very big ways. Yet when we look at politics, it seems that the phrase that comes to mind is way too little way too late the need for government actions to reduce greenhouse gas emissions is very clear yet it seems like it's very difficult for them to pass anything there have been minor changes here and there but nothing on the scale necessary to really address this problem so this reminds me of a time earlier in my life when i first got actively involved in politics First, it was because I was draft age during the Vietnam War. I participated in public protests and uh, also voted for candidates like George McGovern that promised to do something about the war. But it seemed like voting and protests were not changing things, at least not changing things fast enough. The war went on for a few more years with a lot of people dying, both Americans and Vietnamese, even though it was quite clear by then that we were not going to be able to win this war in any sense of that term, win. So the sense of futility I got from that lasted for a while, and then I got interested in issues of poverty and then saw the decline of working class neighborhoods in my native uh, Detroit, particularly in the suburbs where a lot of people worked in auto factories. Uh, globalization and changes in the economy were causing people's wages to drop and um, their job opportunities to dry up. And that's been an ongoing problem. Uh, And then there was the military stuff as well. Uh, A new generation of nuclear weapons and worrying about nuclear war, wiping out humanity from the face of the earth. Uh, Interventions in Central America that seemed a lot like Vietnam, the um, United States just going in and making things worse in some in some ways. Yet all this activity I was doing, passing petitions, engaging in protests, writing my congressmen voting, none of it seemed to matter. And over the years, i also, also you know engaged in alternative party, politics, and um, more activities such as sponsoring initiatives. And still it's hard to make things change. Our political system doesn't make it easy for things to change it's resistant to change in deliberate ways that i talked about in a previous show so what i did is i eventually entered graduate school in political science this would be back about oh, 1980s so that's what 40 years or so geez but I wanted to understand the political process better. How does policy get made? How does policy get changed? What is effective in making these kind of changes so that I could be more effective in my own activism or at least help other people become more effective as well? And I learned a couple of things that both helped me to understand why it's so hard to change policy and gave me some hope that changes are possible and our efforts, even though they can seem futile in the short run, can make a difference in the medium term and sometimes the longer run. What I learned, I'm gonna present to you two models in particular that I learned in graduate school and that I used a lot in teaching as a political scientist about the policy process. The first one is a model called the garbage can theory of the policy process. Now, that metaphor, garbage can, is memorable. It doesn't necessarily mean that policies are useless garbage. (laughs) You may have that opinion about particular policies, but that's not the intention. The intention really is to say, like a garbage can, you never know what's going to come out of that if you dump it, because the process of things flowing into it are so random and unpredictable. There's some regularity, you know, you throw away the same things week to week packaging from your groceries, for example, but other times it's just stuff that happened to blow up on your lawn that you picked up or changes in your buying habits or people passing by sticking things in your garbage can. So there's some regularity, but there's also some irregularity in what comes out of that garbage can. The model of a garbage can of decision-making comes from organizational theory Certain types of decision-making in organizations that are called organized anarchies. Now, these organizations have particular types of features that apply to politics as well. Some of those features are that the, if the participants in the organization come and go a lot and change a lot, and there's a number of them who have different preferences, um, that describes politics, right? Politicians come and go. Lots of politicians have different preferences and ideas what should happen. Another feature is that the organization has no clear overriding goal. That's true of politics as well. There's a multitude of goals that are in play in politics and in policy making. So a man named John Kingdom, who is a who is a professor, still is, in fact, a professor emeritus now at the University of Michigan where I was a graduate school applied the theory of organized anarchies and garbage-making process to politics. Um, he was a mentor to me in some ways, not so much in helping me develop my own ideas, but in helping me get a career started because I wasn't too focused on creating a career in academia and doing what I needed to do to prepare a good resume. But I was more interested in is how politics works so I can do something about it. But he was a very kind man and he helped a lot. So shout out to John if he ever sees this. Anyway, his theory said that there are three flows into the garbage can of policymaking. Those are problem recognition, policy formation, and politics. I'm going to talk a little bit about each of those so you have a sense of what that means. Let's start with problem recognition. It's separate from the other two streams conceptually and to some extent in real life because problem recognition involves focusing attention on a particular circumstance that comes to be defined as a problem. We deal with circumstances in our life all the time that are predictable and um, we accept them you know not climate change weather, but regular weather. We know it's going to rain sometimes. We know it's going to snow. Is that a problem? It depends. So in politics, how do problems get defined? And often that's because of the media. Some event grabs media attention, and it's all over the media for a while, and climate change is full of those events lately. And sometimes it's just um, some indicator changes, some statistic changes, like the probability rate goes up or the inflation rate goes up or the budget gets big or debt, national debt gets too big. So any one of these things, random events or changes in government statistics or private, privately developed statistics, can come to be recognized as a pro- problem that government needs to address. Policy formation happens somewhat separate from that. There's a number of people involved in formulating new policy ideas, academic researchers, congressional committee staffers, because they deal in the same policy area over the long term, years and years in some cases, Um, interest groups, people who work for interest groups are always trying to come up with policy ideas, think tanks. So a variety of actors who usually specialize in some area of policy, and what they're engaged in is trying to think of ways that they can improve policy or come up with new policy ideas that would help the government address problems or just improve the way they perform in particular areas of policy. So that's somewhat separate from problem recognition is policy formation. And finally, you have politics. Balance of forces between the two parties, the level of partisanship, the uh, changes that might come due to elections, um, interest group strength, all these types of factors determine the politics of a situation, and they each are flowing in to this so-called garbage can of policy decision making. According to Kingdon, which a lot of people have found to be true, the prospects for policy change are increased when these three streams come together. In other words, a problem can be attached plausibly to a policy idea that has been evaluated as feasible and in line with particular values and a political situation that's open to change in that area. If you can link two of them together, for example, the political situation and a problem, the prospects for change rise, but they rise much higher and can come to a um, point of decision making when those three of them can actually be linked. Now, how do they get linked? It takes two things, one, a window of opportunity, which is usually two of the streams coming together and someone says, wow, look, there's a chance for something to happen. And number two, that's someone who takes action. Which is called a policy entrepreneur usually someone that's actively involved in politics or in an area of policy formation but they can try to put these pieces together try to put together a recognized problem with a well-developed policy idea and a amenable political situation to put it on the government agenda and get something to happen that's how policy changes So when I think about um, climate change, I look at the current effort to address climate change in the infrastructure bills that Joe Biden is trying to get through the Congress. And we see that the problem is widely recognized climate change. Everybody knows that climate change is an issue. Most people recognize that it's real and it's happening and it's getting a lot of media attention so that's a recognized problem. Policy formation. There's a lot of ideas that have been generated about how to address climate change. Everything from putting carbon back in the ground—they call that what sequestration—to uh, uh, shoring up our defenses against climate change, like you know, buffering the coast against hurricanes and um, creating better sewer systems for flooding to reducing our use of carbon, more electric vehicles, more mass transit, uh, weatherization of buildings so they use less energy and heating, upgrading of our energy systems to clean energy from fossil fuels, uh, regulations, taxes on um, the use of carbon. A lot of different ideas have been generated. They've been discussed for a long time and a lot of them are ready to go. They could actually be implemented And of course, what we know is the big sticking point is the political situation. Even though the climate is a recognized problem, and there's a lot of ideas for addressing it, politics seems not to be too open to climate change. And I think that's partially due to Republicans still resisting that, the whole idea of climate change. But I don't think that's as big a part of it. I think it's that the packaging of this particular measure now is not very amenable to focusing attention on climate change. What it's been proposed as is an infrastructure bill primarily to create jobs. That's been the focus. And so climate change doesn't easily fit in that way of forming the problem or proposing solutions. It's kind of be it's kind of trying they're trying to sneak it in the back door as a way. It's not <laughs> sneaky, they're not doing it do a good job at sneaking because everybody is aware of what they're doing now. And it's been a grab bag of policy ideas, including a lot of those I just mentioned. So there's not a lot of focus there. There's a focus on big spending for infrastructure, which Congress in general likes, but because the, the problem focus is in climate change, there's no pressure for things to happen, and they are having a hard time getting Republicans to come on board. They, the Republicans keep swishing the switching the issue from climate change or other types of uh, policy ideas that the Democrats are putting in their bigger bill to stuff like the budget and inflation and debt and all those traditional Republican values. So we all know that the politics is the sticking point. And I guess my point here is not just that politics is a problem, but that uh, things are ready to go if the politics fall in line. In this case they're not quite falling in line but we haven't seen the result yet. So what does it take for things to fall in line? Here I want to turn to another policymaking theory and that is called the theory of punctuated equilibrium. This is taken from evolutionary theory and the idea is that uh, the balance of the ecology stays pretty much the same and only changes In small ways that is incrementally over periods of time, but then suddenly there will be a precipitating event that creates a huge change. Think in evolutionary terms of the change from the dinosaur era to the era of mammals. He had a long time when dinosaurs evolved and slowly changed from one species of dinosaur to another. And then you had a sudden precipitating event, which looks like it was an an asteroid hitting the Earth, which changed the whole ecological balance so that dinosaurs died out and mammals thrived. Same thing with politics. We see periods of incremental change in policy. Particular policy areas can change in small ways over time because there's small groups of actors who have control of that policy, particularly congressional committees, interest groups who are invested in that area, and um, researchers who specialize in that er area. They make incremental changes as they're able to, but big change can also happen by a precipitating event so that the policy situation can be completely changed in a big way and enter into a new era of incremental change where that policy changes resistant to large change for a period of time afterward. And the types of precipitating events such as a war or an economic collapse a recession, a depression or a period of high inflation or just the public interest escalating because they have experienced some problem becoming more and more intolerable. So if we think of this in terms of climate change policymaking, there is a possibility it's been changing in small ways over time, but there's a possibility for a big event to make a big change. Now, this gives me hope because it tells me two things. One is that big change is possible in our political system. And the second is that the activity of people trying to change things, although no one has control of the process, can better prepare for something to happen. that is, if you keep working to push an issue, refine a policy idea, bring attention to a problem, try to change the government in your political actions, it can be the political system can be more amenable to change, better prepared for change, so this tells me both that our, our political activity is important and can be fruitful, and two, that big change is possible. So it's a message of qualified hope, enough to keep us going, I would say, enough to keep me going, and um, takes away a little bit of the sense of discouragement. In terms of precipitating events, you may feel like, well, gosh, these only happen once in a great while. So how can we count on that happening soon enough to address climate change? We need to act sooner rather than later. But I would say the possibility of some type of big event changing the political situation is very high right now. And in the last couple of years, you can see evidence of that economic changes over decades have come to a head. And by this, I mean declining opportunities for good jobs among a large swath of the population, lower wages, jobs in some towns drying up entirely, Um, a lot of economic hardship spreading throughout the populace. And then in 2008, a near economic collapse of the global economy has set back people even more financially and has given rise to a lot of political ferment of one kind or another. I don't think we're out of the woods on this yet because just as the economy seemed to be recovering in terms of growth, not necessarily helping everybody that needed help, but in terms of looking at some kind of indicators of growth, we're just starting to get back where we were before 2008 when we got hit by this pandemic, again, escalating economic hardship, people losing jobs or having reduced hours or losing their homes or being kicked out of apartments, so economic hardship again, and of course, the problems of the pandemic itself sweeping the globe. Now it seems to be in a surge because it's evolved into this new Delta variant, and sweeping through swathes of the population that are not vaccinated in particular. So a lot of change happening there. Shaky economy, not sure if it's going to recover or not. Possibility of inflation, a lot of hardship in the population. The pandemic is not over and may be coming back again. And then on top of that, climate change is escalating week to week we see these events. So all these together tell me that we are in a point in time when something's got to change. The political system is under a lot of pressure to change and address some of these big problems that people are experiencing and afraid they will experience in the future in even harsher ways. Something has to change. Ferment both parties are likely to undergo some kind of changes because there's splitting between factions that want different things to happen, want to take their parties in different directions. In the Republicans, you got the Trumpists against the Republicans are reluctant to continue to endorse that direction for the party. In the Democratic camp, you got progressives and so-called moderates or centrists are trying to work together, but there's a lot of strain there. People trying to invade the capital to invalidate an election, Um, continued belief in paranoic theories about what's happening in the world. All these things tell me that there's a lot of strain in the political system and the potential for a big event, a big change is there. Sounds scary, but it also can be exciting in the sense that we need big change. So maybe that big change can be directed in a positive way If we keep on working toward positive change, do what you need to do, bring attention to a particular problem, help develop a particular type of solution or policy idea, work for political change, either in electoral politics and campaigns or in other ways, local politics or petition initiatives or whatever way you can to help make the political situation open to the kind of change we need could pay off in the near future. No guarantee that things will turn out well, but I think the possibility is still there. So I want to encourage you to do what you can. I'll keep doing what I can and hope for the best. So I'd like to hear. Your response to what I've had to say today. I really do want this program to be initiating a discussion, a dialogue, not necessarily a debate or an argument, but just people who have similar concerns talking to each other to help refine our ideas and move forward in addressing the situation we find ourselves in. Best way to leave comments for me is either leave them on the Allen on Politics YouTube channel or the Allen on Politics Facebook page. And if you have um, gotten something out of this, please like the program on whatever media you've been listening in on, whether the YouTube channel's video or the various podcast channels the program is available on. Like, subscribe, share with your friends on social media, and leave some comments, if you can. Thank you very much again for paying attention to me and what I have to say, and I welcome you to join in this conversation and come back again next week. Thanks, I do appreciate it. This program was produced by Alan Zundell with music composed by Jimmy Blues.